Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good. Yay. Well, I'm excited to be with you guys today. Uh, we're going to be talking about our place before God this morning. Uh, but before that, I want to tell you guys a little bit about myself so you can get to know me. Uh, I grew up, as Emily said, in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. Anybody from Arizona in here? <laughs> There's a wild cat in here. So. Um, I here. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I love Arizona. I miss the desert, but now I find myself in the beautiful city of Miami. And if you've ever been to Miami, it's like its own separate country. Uh, it's awesome. I was shocked when I first moved there. I became a mom last year, and around Micah. He's a cutie. Um, I love it. Being a mom was one of those things that I felt, wow, I'm not I'm not sure if I've ever felt so confident about something that God created me for as being a mom. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I love Micah. Um, when I went to school, I studied health sciences, healthy lifestyle coaching. You guys heard of life coaches, right? Yep. Yeah. I didn't do anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> ministry. Um, and as I was in the ministry, I encountered a lot of mental health, um, as we all, I know, have. Um, and so I was felt called to go get my master's in counseling to learn how to deal with just mental health in myself and in the ministry I was a part of. Um, so I'm currently working towards getting licensed as a counselor in the state of Florida. Um, and more than anything, I love campus ministry. The stories that we just heard, like, I love watching God just move yeah. in people's lives, especially in, in college people's lives who are... Uh, seeking just to change the world in so many ways, and when they encounter God, it's like, whoa. Like, we can change the world for God. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, before, when I was in college, before I became a disciple, the trajectory of my life was really, really bad. I was deeply insecure. I grew up dealing with a lot of verbal and physical abuse, and so I saw myself in the way the words that were told to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was unwilling to be vulnerable because I feared emotions so bad. It was so chaotic in my home, I didn't feel like I had space to feel my feelings. Mm -hmm. I developed an eating disorder because of this. Um, I was a perfectionist. I felt like I had to do the very best at all I did because I wanted people to see from the outside that I had it together. Mm -hmm. And I was desperate to be loved by, by anybody at whatever the cost. I was broken. But I'm so grateful that I encountered Jesus in his love. My life is so drastically different. Um, I was able to meet Lake A in 2019 at CTT. And we got married in 2020, which as many of you guys know, was when COVID happened, right? So my whole life, I had been dreaming of this day I would marry this man that God had picked out for me. And we got engaged February... I think like 16th or something. And then we start planning the wedding and two weeks, two or three weeks later, the world shuts down. Mm-hmm. All my dreams and hopes of what my, my wedding would look like mm-hmm. just didn't happen. Uh, so we ended up just eloping. Uh, you guys saw the pictures yesterday in Sedona. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. <laughs> it was more than I could have asked or imagined. And I'm sure like myself, many of you guys have thought about the day you would get married, right? You have those Pinterest boards, not everyone, but you know, um, but more than anything, I'm sure you've imagined the person you would marry, right? 
Um, some of you guys even have like lists. I've heard of these lists. You have qualities you want in a husband. Who has it? Who has it? What do you Okay, so actually, what I'm going to have us do for a few seconds, I'll just pull out your phone through your notebook, and I want you to write down the top seven qualities Ooh, you're looking for okay. in Oh, so you just got it. 
protect, if he doesn't protect your faith? Emotionally immature. Emotionally immature. Passive. He's not a Christian. Not a Christian. Wrapped around his mom's finger. Overly obsessed with something. I became pretty cynical. Mm. 
I started to have passion without hope. Passion wow. about all the things that were going wrong mm. with absolutely no hope that God was working things out for his good. Mm. Come on. And apathy became easier than faith. Just not having any feelings at all was easier than believing yeah. God could do mm. something great. Because if I trusted that God could do something great, it meant it would hurt more if it, he didn't. But I also knew the right thing was to do was to trust God, right? We know that. So instead of having great faith, I just had apathy. And I said, if he does it, he does it. If not, oh, well, he's God. Wow. That is not what God wants for us. Yep. And I think in the midst of all this chaos and confusion, we have questioned a lot and tried to figure out what is happening in our world. Some of the big questions that I've seen is, why are we allowing injustice? And the answer that we seem to get from the world is we need to get rid of all systems and people who are unjust. So we cancel anyone for anything unjust. But the problem with that answer means goodbye to everyone, including you. I've heard the question asked, how am I supposed to be in a church that hurts people? And the answer we get from the world is don't trust the church. Cancel the church if they say or do anything hurtful. And you know, you might not outright say this, but maybe how you're dealing with the hurt is saying it in itself. Wow. So we cancel God's plan for unity in the body. And the response to all of our questions seems to be this cancel culture with cynicism seasoned on top. Mm. And this has created this air of starting to slowly cancel God wow. and lose our awe of him. With all of our confusion and questions, I believe we have become fearful about just about everything except fearing God. Wow. And here's a red flag for us. If we are women who live by fear and not fear of God, we will destroy any hope and any peace and anything good that God has to offer us. So this morning, what I want to show us is that we don't need more answers. We need to learn our place before God. Wow. Come on. The one thing I want us to do this morning and show you is from God's word, one simple truth that I hope will bring you some relief from the confusion, anxiety, and fear. A way to access this confidence and peace in the promises of God every day. And it's learning our place before God. But before we're going to talk about learning our place before God and fearing God, we have to address the red flag that's keeping us from having this reverence and awe. It's, a re it's the red flag of a loss of devotion. You guys can be turning to Jeremiah 2. Come on. I forgot my Bible. So I'm just my phone. Well, you know, going back to our little red flag uh, activity, I started talking to Op about the ideal relationship because the Bible uses the analogy of marriage and covenant to describe the ideal relationship with God. And I'm going to use this analogy for a second. So many of you are single in this room, I'm sure. Um, but this still applies to you, so you'll understand. Jeremiah 2. We're going to be talking about devotion. And devotion is faithfulness with absolute trust. Jeremiah 2, starting in verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. 
I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through the land, a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were guilty of were held guilty, and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. We see here Jeremiah 1 through 2 that he's describing this marriage relationship, right? What we're talking about. He says that I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you've loved me. You know, when we first encounter love, there's like this honeymoon phase, that butterfly feelings that you have, and uh, that's what he's talking about here, that there was this like, wow, God, I'm all in. The Lord was saying to the people of Israel that when they first entered into a relationship with him, they were completely committed, there was no doubt. So devoted that they were willing to follow him anywhere and do anything. It was like that honeymoon phase. And you know, when you see this in movies, it seems like everything's perfect and no one can do any harm. Have you guys ever felt that butterfly feeling towards someone? Mm -hmm. You feel like excited and every time you see them, you're like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> what should I say? You know, I, I remember feeling this feeling. Uh, um, towards a boyfriend one time, I was crazy in this relationship. <laughs> I was willing to drive 200 miles there and back so that we could spend time together in one day. Wow. I was crazy. I was crazy, guys. And we do some crazy things when we feel that, right? Yeah. I'm sure many of you guys have some stories. Uh, but what the, what the Lord is saying here in Jeremiah is he's saying it's like that feeling times a million. Because you have found your forever person in God. You have found the lover of your soul. He describes in verse Three, that it's this un, what this undying devotion led the people to do and what it should lead, lead us to do in our relationship with God, that we would follow him anywhere with absolute trust. Wow. But then we see something changes in the relationship. That that honeymoon phase passed and they were no longer willing to follow him anywhere. Let's go back to Jeremiah 2. Come on. We're going to read in verse 5. It says... This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me, that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through the land of the deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruits and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord, and I will bring charges against your children's children. We're going to skip down to verse 11. Has a nation ever exchanged its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Hmm. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Wow. Ooh. So something broke in the relationship. Something changed. No longer do they have those butterfly feelings. 
they started to see other things as better than God. It says that they followed worthless idols and they be themselves became worthless. They started to become unfaithful in their relationship with God, in their covenant, in their marriage with God. They no longer were seeking after him. They were no longer willing to drive 200 miles to see him. Instead of devotion, they treated their relationship like it was replaceable. And Israel started to compromise and become critical towards God, even condoning sin. And we see something similar to this in the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation 2, we're not going to turn there. But Jesus is writing to the church in Ephesus and he tells of all the wonderful things that they had done because of their love for God in this relationship. And then he gives them this charge. He says, but I have this against you. You have forsaken and abandoned the love you had at first. Yeah. And this word forsaken is the opposite of devotion. Hmm. It's abandonment. It's quit. It's to leave. Uh, the actions could be there, but there's no heart. Hmm. And in a relationship, you know, you know, we're talking about our relationships. So think about this picture of relationship. You know when a person pulls away. Where their heart is no longer there. They right. may be doing the actions, but their heart is no longer there. Mm-hmm. And think about being in a relationship with a spouse who's doing all the right things, but not having love for you. Mm-hmm. This is what God is saying is happening to the people of God. Mm-hmm. So they start to compromise. And maybe you felt like, where is God in the midst of all this? And maybe you've started to question and compromise because you don't feel like God is there. Has the honeymoon phase passed in your relationship with God? Sometimes we start to compromise because we no longer have that feeling towards God. You know, there's this guy, John Gottman. He's a marriage therapist, super well-known for marriage therapy. And he did this research study that showed that the honeymoon phase only lasts two years for most relationships. Two years, guys. So think about that in your relationship with God. Sometimes we grow weary, weary in our relationship with God because we no longer feel that. But if in a marriage, the honeymoon phase only lasts two years, what's that to say for the rest of the relationship, for the rest of the 20 years? You know, most relationships end because people say, we just fell out of out of. Excuse me. We just fell out of love. We're different people now. Mm. But what they're really saying is they no longer have that jittery feeling towards this person. Mm. I want you to think about, imagine husband and wife, they first meet, think about the notebook. That's a good analogy, <laughs> okay? Uh, there's some stuff in there I don't want to take, but <laughs> they fall in love. They're, you know, they just, they can't not be. But as they start spending time together, what you'll notice, and maybe if you've been in a relationship, you start to see the flaws in the person, right? You start to become a little critical. Like, oh, but he leaves the dishes in the sink for a week. Or he, no, that's not like it. Red Or, you know, whatever it is, your little pet peeve. You start to see things and you become critical. And sometimes we're shocked when we hear about adultery or unfaithfulness, but what we don't realize is that it starts with this compromising and criticalness in our hearts. Mm-hmm. That, that couple that was madly in love, maybe the wife starts to feel like, mm, he's not as great as I really thought he was. Mm-hmm. 
and little by little starts doing the little special things that made the relationship great. Start to feel a little bit more distant from the person. And all of a sudden you start to look for another place to have those needs met. Hmm. Maybe your coworker or someone from school. Hmm. You'd be like, oh, he notices me. He sees all the good things I do, or he noticed when I changed my hair. <laughs> right? And little by little, you start leaning towards this other person. Mm. That's what's so scary about unfaithfulness and forsaking our first love and the, the shock of adultery is that it doesn't just happen. Mm. We compromise out of love. We slowly lose our awe of God. And you know, I see this in our relationship with God. As the, we described, the last couple of years have caused us to see God maybe in a different light. Mm. Maybe with all those questions that's heart starting to become criticalness in our heart. So we're starting to seek after all these other things that maybe could fulfill us. Um, you know, some of the ways in which I've seen us compromise or I've, I hear of us compromising, I want you guys to think about is this. Uh, maybe you've seen many walk away from the faith. I've seen a lot of my friends leave God, and people that I thought would never leave God. And maybe you're tempted to doubt their faith. Here's the thing. We should be shocked when we go through something like this, but we shouldn't be surprised. Matthew 24, 12 says, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Mm. Jesus literally tells us many will walk away from the faith, mm. but will you stand firm till the end? Or will you compromise little by little to the point that you no longer have love for God? Or maybe we start to compromise because the church has failed us, and we feel like we can't be committed to a place that has hurt you. So we start to pull away little by little. But if we see we're going to be devoted to God, it goes hand in hand to be devoted to one another. First John 4 says, if you don't love your brother and sister whom you can see, you can't love God whom you cannot see. God gave us the body to learn to love him better. Are you compromising loving like this or becoming critical about the things that you see around you? I don't have time to go through all of these, <laughs> these things, but I want us to really consider, have I forsaken my first love? Mm -hmm. Am I starting to drift away from that, ah, oh, I had of God? That all-in feeling that we have. We need to be women of devotion and not compromise and criticalness. Mm -hmm. So let's go back. We're going to talk here a little bit now. We can talk about... The, the idea of having this awe of God, of seeing that person as the lover of our soul and never losing that feeling. Amen. Jeremiah tells us that the reason why we can lose our devotion is because we have lost our awe of God. Let's go to Jeremiah 2. Come on, Lottie. Come on, Lottie. In verse 19. It says, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord Almighty. 
God is saying, hey, all the things that you think you're, you know, leaning towards compromising to, they're actually going to hurt you. They're not going to give you what they promise. He says, instead, consider how evil and bitter it is. That feeling of unrest, anxiety, and fear we're feeling when we don't have devotion, when we forsake the Lord our God and have no awe. This idea of awe is this like all-encompassing, like you're consumed by a feeling. <laughs> have you guys ever like stood before a fire and like been like really enthralled, like wow, this is like beautiful, yeah. but like really scary. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's the idea of having fear and awe of God. And if we don't view God as incredible as he is, we'll never remain faithful to him. It's real. There's one time, um, I like to go camping, and I decided to take a little camping trip on my own, a little solo camping trip. So I go out to Sedona, Arizona, find a little spot, pitch a tent in the middle of the desert, and I opened up, there's, you know, this little see-through thing, sometimes a tent that you can look up and see the stars. So I'm laying there by myself with no service, and I realize if something happens to me, I'm dead. <laughs> I've gotten for it. But I also felt this sense of awe for God because the only person in that moment who could save me was God. And I heard little animals over here and over there, and I was like, God, please don't die. It's this like awe, like this consuming feeling of like, wow, God, you're so powerful. But he's like that even when I'm in the city. He's like that wherever I go. There's another time I went cliff jumping in San Diego, California. It's beautiful. And I jumped into this, like, I don't know what they're called, tide. I don't know, whatever the word is. And I started to feel myself like I was about to drown. And I, I never felt fear being in the ocean until that moment. I felt like, wow, the water is so powerful, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And that showed me a little tiny glimpse of God's power. Like, God literally created the oceans. God literally, like, has everything in the palm of his hand and has power over it. I was consumed with awe for God in those moments. And this is the awe that Jeremiah is pointing us to. That if we don't have that feeling of seeing God in that way, we're going to lose our first love and devotion for him. But how do we have that reverence in a world that is constantly calling our attention and distracting us, right? Well, let's get some perspective. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. Come on. Because with me? So this is Paul. This is Paul, who's writing a letter to the church in Rome. And it's kind of funny to me, because he was in the midst of answering a bunch of questions, chapters 11 to, I mean, chapters 1 to 11. He's basically addressing a bunch of questions in terms of the culture that has been shifting in Rome. And in chapter 11, he just stops and praises God. Like, almost as if he was like, God, you're awesome. I just talked about you and how awesome you are and all these ways and the answers you have for these things, but like, whoa. God, you're like, whoa. Let's read this. In Romans 11, 33, it says, Oh, the depths of the riches, 
of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To God, to him be the glory forever. Amen. 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 It says the depths of the riches, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Do you understand what that means? Like, whoa, God, your knowledge is so deep. It's like I can't even I can't even comprehend. It's like if you try to explain it to us. We wouldn't understand. We ask all of these questions thinking that if God answered us, we would be able to grasp it. And this is what should lead us to awe and really understand our place before God because God knows all things. It's almost like when we question God, my son is nine months old, okay? It's almost as if I get a chemistry book and start reading to Micah and expect him to understand what I'm saying. That's how we are before God. His mind is unsearchable. Like, we couldn't even understand it if we wanted to. He knows the beginning of your situation to the end. Not only for you, for each of the women in this room, for every person in the world. That is what he holds in his mind. It says, how great are the works, how great are your works, Lord, how profound your thoughts. God has never made a mistake. If we're gonna have undying devotion to God, we have to understand our place before him and that he is the one who knows all things. He doesn't mess things up. This is where that, that trust comes in a devotion, in a marriage, and mm. in knowing that this person is faithful and knows it's looking out for the best for us. Mm-hmm. We have to be willing to say, God knows more than me. Mm. Can you guys say that? God, God knows, knows more than me. <laughs> we think that knowing, if we find answers to all these questions we've been asking, it will give us peace. This scripture just told us, no, that's not true, I'm sorry. If God told you, you couldn't understand. But knowing our place before God, that can give us peace. Because we can surrender to the one who knows all things. You know, in that moment when I was in the ocean, realizing like, man, I have absolutely no control. There's a sense of peace I had before God, knowing that I could trust him. That's what he wants me. It says, well, we'll we won't go back, but we need to learn to embrace this idea that we don't know more than God and embrace humility. This is like that key component to having fear of God and awe of God is recognizing our own limitations and weaknesses. Are you willing to humble yourself to this point? To accept that you may never know, but that God does. That in the midst of all this confusion, you can have peace. But you know, what's at stake here if we don't get this? Is not only could we lose our first love, 
the lover of our souls, but we could miss out on the peace, the hope, the promises that God has to offer us. And if I'm honest, I think that's where we're at. Mm. I don't see peace in the women around me. Mm. I see anxiety and fear and depression and so many things, and those things are real, but I think if we bow down before God and realize that we don't know anything, those things would dissipate. Mm. You know, I think we think our feelings, like like he talked about yesterday, are just so right that we're willing to tell God, I know better than you. Mm. But think about if Jesus did that. If Jesus was led by his feelings. Do you guys remember in Matthew 26 when he's about to go to the cross and he's in the garden in Gethsemane crying out, praying to the Father? He says, if there's any other way, he's questioning, Mm. God, are you sure, right? Mm. What if Jesus went and was led by his emotions that moment? Mm. We would be still stuck in our sin. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm. Instead, he chose to humble himself before his father. And even though he had these strong feelings, he realized God knows better. And we need to learn to have this mentality of humility. You know, that's not to mean that you don't wrestle with your feelings. Jesus did that, and he did that in a really powerful way. Mm -hmm. He did it to the point of surrender. Mm -hmm. That's what humility looks like. We're going to be closing it out here in just a second. I want us to turn to Job 42. Mm. <laughs> Don't even have to read it, okay? <laughs> so, it sounds like you guys know the story of Job, but I'll refresh your time. Job, basically the entire book, is a discourse between Job, his friends, and God. Questioning what God was doing. And Job went through some serious things, right? Lost his family, lost everything. I don't even know what he did. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) And so as Job comes to the end of this little discussion, this is his response. Come on, Maddie. Come on, Maddie. Great stuff. Job 2, verse 3, it says, oh, sorry, 42. Verse 3, it says, You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Basically, Job is saying, God, you know I don't know. I wish we had time to go through this whole thing, but we don't. Job literally is like, okay, I'm done. Because God had just finished telling him, Job, where were you when I created the earth? Did you know how I put the waters where they should go and the land where it should go? Do you know how I created you? Do you know how I created all the animals? And Job is like, I'm dumb. Why am I questioning you, right? This is the posture we have to have before God. Knowing our place before God, it's not wrong to question, but at the end of the day, we have to humble ourselves and have this awe of God. Otherwise, we won't ever have a relationship that can be devoted to him as a lover of our souls. I want to close out here, ladies, with... um, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys... Um, 
quickly, I'm going to read this to you guys. Psalm 8, 3 through 4 says, When I considered your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moons and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of human beings and that you care for them? We are nothing, and yet God cares for us. I want us to spend a few minutes right now just learning how to have this awe of God. I want us just to spend some time in prayer. And I'm going to guide us through this prayer. And I want you guys just to learn to humble yourselves before God. So I'm going to invite you guys, if you can, please just close your eyes. Begin by taking a few deep breaths. Inhaling slowly through your mouth, through your nose, and exhaling slowly through your mouth. As you breathe, allow any tension or stress just to melt away. Feel your body becoming more relaxed with each breath. Continue relaxing and listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two they covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the, field, and the house was filled with smoke. Imagine that you are before this majestic throne, standing before the throne of God, which radiates brilliance and pure light. Just feel that reverence and awe that come from being in the presence of such a divine power. If you can, slowly lower yourself to your knees, bowing before the throne of God. Imagine that you are bowing before the throne. Before this God who knows all things from the beginning to end. Bow, feel a sense of humility and surrender to the presence of God. Allow yourself to let go of all the worries or concerns and place your trust completely in God. Revelation 4 describes being before this throne. It says the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They laid their crowns before the throne and said, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Offer your worship and adoration to the King of Kings. before God. 
who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the cross, to death, even to death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now imagine that you are standing at the foot of the cross before Jesus. Feel the weight of his sacrifice, the depth of his love for you. Allow yourself to feel the emotions that come with this profound moment. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Consider the depth of this almighty, powerful God, his love for you and the sacrifice he made in sending his son to die for our sins. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Consider the weight of your sin and the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made to take them upon himself. At this moment, you may be starting to feel a little uncomfortable. Your knees may start to hurt. Imagine the sacrifice that Jesus is making for you. Allow yourself to surrender before him. Offer your gratitude for the salvation he has provided. yourself to fully experience the peace and surrender that come with being at the foot of the cross before Jesus. Remember this feeling of awe and wonder, of complete surrender and humility before God. Carry this with you as we learn to learn our place before an almighty God. All the questions seem to dissipate when we are before the loving Father. When you're ready, slowly rise and be seated. Carry with you a sense of awe and wonder for the love and sacrifice. Ladies, I wish I could have been down on my knees with you, but I felt the sense of awe thinking about being before God. And like I said, I want you to take one thing away with you today. is learning to take this humility, this feeling of bowing down. It does something to us when we get on our knees and realize, man, God is worthy to be praised 
forever and ever. Not only is he worthy to be praised because he's so big and awesome, but because he loves us. And he has given everything for us to be in a relationship with him. Let's be women who are fully devoted to loving this amazing, incredible God and women who fear God. I love you ladies and hope you guys have an amazing rest.